You guys ready to go? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Here we go. Hey, let me stop. <laughs> God, give us mercy to help your church. Amen. Clem was like, hold up, I got enough sanctification in me to at least throw a quick prayer right. before we get right. out. Right. started bringing out the holy water. This is, that was like a prayer before yeah. eating. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely. When you're hungry. Yeah. That's right. God, Lord, dear Lord, God thank you for the food. Amen. God is good. Thank you for this podcast. Good. Till We Feast, where three pastor friends leading three cross-cultural congregations in Washington, D.C., wrestle with a question each week concerning how the church can be a foretaste of the Feast of God. I'm Duke Kwan, one of the hosts of this podcast, and I'm joined in the studio one more time by Pastor Russ Whitfield and Pastor Glenn Hoberg. How yeah. you guys doing? Here we are. Good to be here. Yeah, good to be here, but I'm sore. Why are you, why are you sore? Because I painted for 10 hours yesterday. <laughs> Meg, Meg got you my wife, again. My wife made Labor Day a literal Labor Day. You know, <laughs> yeah. l- let me say this. Okay, it literally. When we moved into our house, we were there for two years. My wife said, it's time to repaint. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean repaint? <laughs> and, you know, and she, I grew up in a home. We never repainted. I don't even think we had a paintbrush. And and she was like, you don't repaint when the walls are falling apart. And, just, you know, and so I, I came to learn that she needed change in the home like i need new music mm-hmm. and a new brand of cigar mm-hmm. yeah that's the, the only difference is is my new music and cigar don't wake you up sore <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'm sore this morning but i'm glad to be here with you brothers uh, yes, oh, yes yes that's yes good. well look i'm bringing i'm bringing a question in here today all right and bring, I it, think, bring it look so okay um over so I've been in church ministry for about 20 years now mm-hmm. and ordained ministry for 13. Mm-hmm. And there have been lots of seasons for me um, that are just seasons of heaviness and discouragement. There are times when I, you know, discouragement comes from feeling unfairly attacked for me. Mm. Like there have been times where in the pursuit of what the scriptures teach, that, you know, I've been attacked or mm-hmm. l- labeled in a way that is not favorable. It's, you know, slanderous or whatever. Mm. I think there are times of discouragement for me personally of just feeling like unseen and completely off the radar. It's like mm. you're just doing the thing faithfully. And it's like, you know, it's having a profoundly fruitful impact, right? Like the, the fruit is so obvious and tangible, like the the vitality of the community and feeling like, no one kind of sees it yeah. or they don't recognize like that this is a lonely work right. and yeah. how far it goes to receive those encouragements. Even sometimes when you receive more encouragement from the outside than you do from the inside oh, yeah, of the people yeah, who receive yeah. your ministry the most. Mm. And so it's like, personally for me, those are things that have kind of tagged me over the years. And I'm, I would love to hear y'all chop up like how do you process those discouragements how do you keep going it's like there we all know that there are you know 5011 avenues through which discouragement finds us mm. but you know what how how have y'all experienced this and how have you processed through those seasons of discouragement yeah what do you think Lynn? i think for me it's 
the same problem that reappears for 20 years hmm. that never really gets solved. Mm. It can be as small as, um, why do we do communion this way? Hmm. Like, wait, that, does, that isn't working for, like, this person or that mm. person. Or it could be, why is the website not really, you know, it's <laughs> user-friendly. Those sort of things nickel and dime me. Mm. And, you know, it's part of a bigger thing, too, where you feel like, you know, I'm getting pulled down into an area mm. that just zaps me probably from what I should be mm. spending time. Mm. So I think the discouragement can come. I mean, it can come lots of ways. I mean, you you all know, you know, this year has been a tough one for me. Yeah. Sometimes I imagine myself like I've got this circle. Mm. And if things don't come into that circle... Mm. I'm okay. Uh, I can like keep, I can keep going. Mm. But what I've realized is my circle's not as tight as I thought. Mm. Like things, things get in there mm. and it's hard for me to shake them. Mm. Hard mm. for, hard for me to not wake up with them. Yeah. Or uh, what I call have arguments in the shower. I don't know what it is about being. I don't know what it is about being That's in the real. shower and arguing. But all my best ideas come up in the shower. Yeah, right. well, and the worst ones. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, Maybe the it's freedom. Your, something about the freedom. Yeah, yes. and just yeah. Anyway, Glenn, I'm curious. How about when, you? When, what about when, you, when, you, when, you do? Well, hold on. I want to hear. I want to. Uh, you know, Glenn mentioned you mentioned the nickel and dime. You know, the the comments or the challenges that people might bring. Or uh, what what is it about that? Is it is it the the what might feel like the pettiness of it? Is it the the nonstop barrage of things? Is it feeling challenged <laughs> where you're like, you know, oh, people don't respect me? Or it, what what exactly yeah. is it for you? <laughs> I think I don't think it's petty, and I don't think those are all legit observations. Mm -hmm. But it's just the nature of the job; everything getting funneled to you, <laughs> you know. And uh, ultimately, yeah. like there is something about leadership and what you just said, Russ, about loneliness. Ultimately, things will kind of bubble up. Mm. And, and sometimes it can be petty and sometimes it's perfectionism, mm. right? Sometimes this, this, this is all going to be happening right. Mm. Um, I think sometimes it's seeing the half glass empty. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I, I don't know if you guys know this about me. I'm like always discouraged. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe, maybe maybe a more hopeful way of putting it is I am prone to yeah. discouragement. Yeah. I, I am. And I, I do think it's a wiring thing. Hmm. Part of my analytical personality where, I mean, my wife is wired somewhat in this way as well, even though she can be a little bit more optimistic than me in, in some ways. Hmm. But, you know, we go into a situation or a room or a... Uh, or ministry setting or whatever, and immediately we can see and then come away with eight things mm. that can and should be improved, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So we're immediately on like, okay, these are the projects that mm -hmm. need to come up, whatever. But that then tends to kind of lend towards a little bit of maybe pe pessimism or what. I think you're, aren't you a positivity guy in strengths? Finder, I, I right, am, Glenn? I am a positivity <laughs> yes. guy in you, general. And, and you... You're not positivity. No. Okay. But no. you have a positive a spirit. You're a futurist and an optimist in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, I'm not an optimist. I'm a prisoner <laughs> of hope. <laughs> that's what Cornel West said. Yeah, I buy that's that. right. What's up? Uh -huh. um, 
but uh so anyway i i i, I do struggle with that mm. uh, um and i think it's it's a combination of of things um sometimes it's uh when things don't work out mm-hmm. right you know you just need that plan or that program as a church planter i think i struggled with that gap mm-hmm. between the vision and the reality mm. yeah. right when you're like you have this especially in those early days as you all know yeah. you have this soaring thing this is what we're going to do in mm. this city and in mm-hmm. this neighborhood and this is how people are going to respond and mm. and it's almost like to do fundraising and to gather people you have to sell a vision and then you actually start to believe it yourself. Mm. And <laughs> no, you do. I don't yeah. mean this cynically. I mean this as far as how it processes in my heart, where mm. then one day you wake up and you look around and it's God's providence. It humbles you. You're like, well, we're not exactly what we dreamed mm. or That's prayed right. for or labored towards. That's and so right. you see that gap. So mm-hmm. so there's, I think, a measurable kind of distance or difference that kind of just sags my heart a little mm. bit. Mm. There's the people. I think the people stuff mm. is always the hardest thing. Yes. Right. Yes. Where if I don't feel um, people are on board with mm-hmm. where I'm trying to take the church or mm-hmm. what I'm or what I'm doing or you know whatever criticisms of your preaching. Yeah. It's like it. it you never get over that. You know. Yeah. You try to pretend. Well, I think I have grown some thicker skin in some ways, mm-hmm. but you know, it. It. You feel it. Yeah. You kind of. Have coping mechanisms, uh-huh. right? How to deal with it and get through it, right? But it, it's there. Mm. But I think at the end of the day, one of the things that discourages me the most relates to a deep need that I think I have to feel understood, mm. huh? Mm. And this messes up my marriage a lot, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's so it's not just about programs and whatever. If I feel like my motives. Mm. Are being questioned. Yes. Then, yep. then that that's like a dagger in my heart. Mm. Especially if it's a person where I expect more of their, uh, you know, they you should know who I am. Come mm. on, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or if I feel like someone's criticism or whatever challenges or raises questions around the sincerity of my commitment or it's like right. don't you know how hard i've been trying right, 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 you know, don't you right, know right. how much we've put in? It? it's not even like i agree it sucked yeah. <laughs> right? that that event or that sermon or what i agree it wasn't good but don't you how right. how can you come to me like this don't you know right. how much i put into this and and it's at that point where my wife is just like i i just wanted to talk about the thing you know like, <laughs> like right. but don't you know you're calling me a, a terrible yeah. what you know whatever yeah. so um so i know i can I, I definitely slump over that way um it's an inner inner deeper thing that gets triggered it mm-hmm. gets wounded yeah um and that lingers the longest and that results in 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 discouragement that doesn't go away easily i don't know is it okay. just me no okay so so here's the deal though so we have all kind of named some of the things that personally mm. have been discouraging to us over the years in ministry but glenn how long have you been in ministry well um you st- how many years in ordained ministry N- local church ministry and ordained local church okay this is getting above the 30 years so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. so... Okay, more above, than 30 years. Above 30 years. Okay, so, Duke, what about you? How long have you been in local church ministry? Man, yeah, I don't know, 25, 
Close to 30. Okay. Yeah, I mean, ordained ministry, 19. So to bring this question back to like, now let's have a discussion about like, you've stayed in ministry. Mm, What have y'all done to actually keep yourself encouraged and engaged in the work over all of these years? You know, uh, I got to say, there's there's been a... um, an article that's being passed around mm-hmm. from it was a PC USA pastor yeah. mm-hmm. that did that said I'm going to be part of the great pastoral resignation, huh. and uh, I mean it really it resonates. I think mm. I would say a lot of it resonated with a lot of pastors I know. Mm. He describes this is what it's like. Yeah. In fact, at the end of it, I was texting with some of my longtime pastor friends, and I was like. And that thing kind of depressed me, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just <laughs> right. kind of seeing, well, yeah, I guess that is the job. And mm. I don't know if I like the job. Right. But but one thing one of the guys said was there was a couple things missing from this guy's experience, this pastor's experience that I think would have maybe softened mm. the edges. Mm-hmm. And one was just this like cruciform, Christ-centered mm. idea that mm. we head into something we do follow in the footsteps of a savior who was walking toward a cross. Mm, like mm-hmm. it does come with the job. Uh-huh. And uh, that's one thing that helps me yeah. go, this isn't purposeless. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's some of it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Right. Th- that's use? what gets me. What's the use? Of What's the use? Is... It's purposeless. Right. Yeah. You know, you can go through anything hard if you realize, no, this has dignity in mm. the eyes of God. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I think, which we have together is just like team ministry. Mm. You know, if you're alone, but there is an inevitable aloneness, mm-hmm. I think to all leadership. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it with biblical leaders. I think it's God just getting you alone. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot about the words he said to Paul, and no one suffered like Paul, right? Mm-hmm. But where he was like, I'm going to show him. And it wasn't like I'm going to get him back, uh-huh. right? I'm going to like show him what it is to be me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that will be your effectiveness in ministry. Mm-hmm. So I do get encouraged by remembering that. Mm. Uh, mm. That's good. What about you, Duke? I mean, I I definitely think over the years, to me, developing a pastoral theology that incorporates suffering and drudgery and struggle and pain and discouragement as part, I mean, incorporates isn't even the right word. It's like that is... Uh, part of the essential ingredients, Mm -hmm. not just the cost, but it's part of the cruciformity of following Jesus and ministering in the name of Jesus. So the the more that I've come over the years to understand this is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and, and not in a weird masochistic kind of way, Mm -hmm. but in a way that actually takes into account what it's like to minister in a fallen world Mm -hmm. among fallen people Mm -hmm. with a fallen but redeemed heart, right? It's just that it's it's a struggle mm-hmm. and it's often a slog. So having that sort of theology or paradigm in place, I think has helped manage some of my expectations. Of course, just like all good theology, it's a good well to draw from. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're really thirsty, you, you kind of wish the rope's not so long, right? So, you know, so sometimes, you know, you still need other things. And for me, those other things include, 
I need a process discouragement out loud. I, I need a place mm. where I need to vent. You guys have been that for me, mm. my wife, other people. Yeah. And, and you do need to rotate around a little bit because nobody <laughs> wants to take all, you know, hear all of your stuff all the time. And another, and, thing. another thing. Let me tell you. like, <laughs> um, But like venting in the literal sense of that word where you open up the, the release valve a little bit and get the mm. toxic fumes out and all mm. that because I can get so lost in my head yes. just replaying a person's comment or replaying my own sort of wrongheaded, like unbelieving reflections on it, you know, where the only mm. lens I have is the lens of discouragement and mm. no lens of faith, mm. no lens of hope, no lens of love. Mm. So that's my heart. So I, I, I need to let some of that out mm. and talk it out with people. And, and honestly, journaling helps too, you um, know, just to, and that's just the written form of the same thing I just mentioned. But where I am naming mm. the discouragement, yeah. naming the thing that's, you know, pounding my heart or, uh, you know, nagging at me or, or nipping away at my joy. Yes. Um, I need to put it in writing and sort of, uh, you know, uh, kind of map out my thoughts a little bit. Mm. Um, that's proven to be helpful, mm. uh, along with some late night snacking that helps too. <laughs> hey man, yeah, yeah. for those yeah. out there yeah. who are listening, you don't know how true a confession Duke just offered. He is the <laughs> he is the pastor of snackification. He is about the snackrament. No man, I tell you, I, I refer to my uh, I refer to my frigidaire refrigerator as the counselor. It's like. <laughs> When I'm, when I'm, when I'm, is that in your basement? When I'm worried, no, 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 it's in the kitchen, my refrigerator. When I'm worried oh. or stressed, I open up the door and there it is, the counselor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, comfort food, counseling right. food. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so good at use that. Yeah. Yeah. Next time my wife says, You need to see a counselor, I'm like, I'm going to go do it right now. Yeah, do it right now. <laughs> Give me some carbs. It's called the refrigerator. No. Comfort carbs. It's so good. I feel like what, you know, as I listen to what you guys are saying, you know, I, I, I feel like I hear this, this kind of theme of sharing in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. That's mm. what the ministry is. Ministry right. is suffering. It just mm. is. There's it is. no getting away right. from that. Right. And that's hard for us. It is. Especially um, in this age. I, I, I'm yeah. not interrupting you here, but right? Because we almost want to assume that either our money can buy buy our way out of suffering or our technology can maneuver our way out of suffering. <laughs> right. right. But we think this is like it's some kind of aberration. Staff your way out of Restaff suffering. Staff your way out of suffering. Grow right. your church. Even disciple the, the people yeah. out of your suffering, right? Like Dude, if they were yes. more mature, then they wouldn't give me so much grief. Or if, right. if the church were more developed or mm. these programs ran better, yeah. then we wouldn't have so much grief. And that's just not true. No. It's not no. true. That's right. Keep going, man. That's right. And so I think about it and I'm like, you know, the image that was coming to my head is like, there's a difference between the pain of being stabbed and the pain of giving birth. Oh. And depending on which image you choose for your experience, I think that it has different outcomes. If you feel like it's not a, a pain that leads to purpose, if it's not a purposeful pain, if it's not a productive pain, then yeah. I think that it makes, it exacerbates the pain. It makes it all the more difficult to bear but what I hear y'all saying is like staying in touch with the whole purpose of this ministry, which is, it's like, you know, when Paul talked about like filling up in his body, the sufferings that were yes. lacking, yeah. you know, yes. like, and so, Colossians. you know, death's at work in us, but life's at work in you. He's like, you know, troubled on every side, yet not distressed, 
uh, perplexed but never in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in our bodies the mm-hmm. death of Jesus so the life of Jesus will be at work mm-hmm. in you. And so like I hear y'all tapping into that, which I actually think is like pretty core pastoral theology. And it also, um, I find it helpful because there is something about knowing that you're in good company in what you bear yeah. um, that helps you to endure it. Mm. Uh, and helps you to carry it differently. But in my 20 years, uh, it took me a long time to adjust myself to that purposeful pain mm. kind of mm. mentality. Uh, the giving birth thing, maybe it's after seeing my my lady give birth to four kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. And just, you know, that image, doesn't it doesn't leave you. It's like, wow, like what she was willing to bear in her body to bring these kids to life, it's like, I think that's a good pastoral instinct. Like, what am I willing to do to bring God's kids to life? You know, and there, you know, Russ, and you mentioned this when you you were like sort of hinting at Paul's idea of like talking about his church, mm. right? These mm-hmm. churches as like a, a child he's trying to bring forth. There is a sense where like we won't get to see it, mm. right? Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, when when did the Corinthians finally pop out, mm. you know, and he was like, you're the kid that I've always wanted. He probably mm-hmm. died before that happened. Mm. And I do think there's a part of, like, living with the waiting wow. that we have to deal with. Um, you know, fun, <laughs> funny... trimester. Yeah, fun, yeah. Well, funny story. I had... Um, it wasn't funny at the time, but we were, like, I think two or three years into our church plant, mm. and uh, there was a person on our core team who was like dissatisfied. Hmm. And um, so, you know, we're at church, the service starts in an hour. Would you meet with me? I meet meet with them. Mm-hmm. And they look at me and say, I feel like we worked so hard to have this baby, the church plant. And now I look at it and it's ugly. Mm. And I Whoa. was like, mm. I was like, mental note, don't do counseling before you preach. No joke. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. Yeah, how did you get up there and freak out? I was just like, you know, um, I've been like, okay, this meeting's over. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, the point is, like, in in many ways, right? Like, we're still trying to like bring these congregations. Well, you you know, y'all gave the theory, you gave the theology. Now I'm asking the question again. Functionally, yeah. practically, now, what the heck like, what do you do? Because I know out, you don't says. sit there in a meditative I just, stance. I, just pray. I know you don't go out to the arboretum like one of the desert fathers and just sit on a pillar and just and pray the devils away. You know, like the, what are the practical things? The pra- let me rephrase. What are the practical healthy things? That you do, yeah. Maybe it would be helpful to talk about the unhealthy things yeah, if yeah, you yeah. dare. Yeah, yeah. You know that you do to to try and ward off this discouragement. What do you do? Right. I told you. I opened a bag of chips. You sure do. <laughs> you sure do. I told you it helps. And gummy bears <laughs> and gummy or bears. Swedish fish or whatever Look, you eat. all the sour stuff. See man. that? You know, I know. Not to the candy thing. <laughs> um, I, I've got. I definitely have a liturgy of survival. Mm. Oh, talk about that. Liturgy yeah. of survival. Yeah. Touch your neighbor yeah, 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 and tell yeah, yeah, yeah. liturgy of survival. And, and let my let others decide whether it's healthy or not. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and my wife over the years, you know, yeah. this is the thing about having a good transparent marriage mm-hmm. because they're like, you sitting outside again tonight? <laughs> 
you know, like how much music can you listen to? How many cigars can you have? You know, God, you, maybe, he's just—he's naming the order of worship. Yeah, yeah. 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 Liturgy, right? Yeah. That is it, right there. Yeah, he but, gave it. well, I go to two things here. Mm. Am I developing as a whole person? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is what I do for rest. Mm. The whole person thing to me is like I've always believed as image bearers, we all have inherent creativity. Mm-hmm. What are you doing outside of ministry that's creative? Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, it might be, you know, working my 40 acres, which is actually a postage stamp in the city. <laughs> right. you, know, it's, you know, it's outside yeah. doing that, uh-huh. uh, or it's, you know, writing music, playing music, right? Mm-hmm. There's that. But there's, that's your thing. There's something that you love. And you're, and what I hear you saying is you got to have a life outside mm. of ministry. Mm. And, and I would say it's even a bigger vision of you have to envision yourself as a person mm. that's more than a minister. Mm. Like I, I need to a know human I'm being. a I need to know I'm a son. Right. Mm. I need to know I'm a neighbor. I, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you all may do this differently. Some people do ministry and life more seamlessly. Mm. I, once I finally arrived at a day off, and that took some years. It mm, took yeah, some people yeah. getting my face. Mm. You know, when I was so wimpy, I would start by going, I'll start my day off at 12 noon, mm. and then I'll do that day. Yeah. Finally, mm. now, once you get in that rhythm, I'm like hungry and thirsty. I'm probably mm. selfish the other way. Yeah, and yeah. then you take your six days off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my neighbor said to me once. She was like, oh, minister, you just work one day a week. Yeah, yeah we're like, hey, come closer. Come yeah. closer. <laughs> I work one day a week, then I get worked over. Yeah, six for the rest right, of the other right, right. But, okay, this is my visual. Mm. My visual is this. On my day off, it's like I hit, the, you know, the Dr. Evil button or whatever. <laughs> I hit the button, and it's like steel walls go up. Mm. And I, wanna, I do not pray for the ministry. I don't talk about things related to the mm-hmm. ministry, mm-hmm. the church at all. Mm. Uh, I do my best not to even think about it. Mm. Now, obviously, if there is like a... I even go so far, like I got friends coming in yeah. town, mm. and it's more than hanging out. They want to meet, uh-huh. and it's sort of ministry related. I don't do it. Yeah, you make I, them sign something. Right, right. You will not ask me <laughs> about how the church is Man, going. I, right, and right. I get tested all the time. Like you know, people we love in our church love to spend time with. Would you spend time on this? Right. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And. I and obviously, if there's an emergency, the walls come down and you mm. go into action. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But man, that has helped me survive. Mm. You know, that's really helpful, Glenn, because yes. I, I feel like both you guys do that better than I do, as far as mm. being being a human being. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, this really has been one of those big challenges. And it's not even in the category of Sabbath. Mm. Actually, it can be if you understand Sabbath rightly is restoring your wholeness, right? Humanity and all that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, shorthand is what you said a a second ago, which is just like having a life outside of ministry. Mm. Right. Mm. And I think you guys have cultivated that a lot better than I do. But I think you're onto something there, Glenn, at, at a basic level. Yeah. Like if all you've got is that mm. ministry, mm. if that's to use your pie uh, image, you know, visual, if your whole pie yeah. isn't divided up into different segments of callings and, and priorities of mm. all you got is ministry. If you're discouraged in that slice, you're screwed. That's yeah. all you got. Right. That's who you are. Right. right? It strikes right at the heart mm. of who you are mm. or at least who you conceive yourself to be. And so that, that's right. which is what my struggle is, uh-huh. right? Precisely my struggle. So I'm mm. always trying to chase chase after y'all and, and the way that you guys are better human beings than yeah. I am. It feels but, pretty yeah. good to be like, well, 
the, the ministry is rough, but this brisket is about to be delicious. <laughs> well, that's the thing. <laughs> but that's true. I mean, yeah. I think that's like for real, real, I know right? I, it is. Right. I mean, there have been a lot of times, Russ, because and this is a sign, too, I think, of friendship. Because, mm. you know, there are times I can connect with either of you guys on my day off and not feel like I'm working. Mm. But, you know, when I've sometimes called you up, I'm mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? I'm out. You know, you're out. You're out with your smoker, man. Yep. And you're uh, at the altar, the altar, the priestly ministry, (laughs) turning out the barbecue. And it's just right. It is life giving. I mean, you know, so since we've all made it for a minimum of two decades in ministry, one of the things that I have found super practically helpful, and I came across it in a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Mm. And Mm. it's basically uh, I have found it very useful in terms of battling pastoral discouragement to use the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And just to have the categories like mind reading, like mind reading is assuming someone is right. thinking something about you and you fill that in with the worst kind of stuff, right? right. Or like right. fortune telling where you like, you kind of predict a negative future or negative filtering where you only see the negative things that are happening to you and you don't see the positive things or like overgeneralizing. Like it's always, this is always yeah, the right, case, you know? Right. So I've actually used that list of just like, it's, it'll give you one word and yeah. it'll give you a sentence description. And just like, whenever I find myself almost feeling like I'm in a chokehold of discouragement, yeah. I go through that and I'm like, am I doing any of these? Because they're known as cognitive distortions. Right. They don't align with, with re- reality. reality. Yeah. And we're all prone to those cognitive distortions. And so I, I have found that very useful, but also just like when you think about your rhythms, you know, you can think about your daily rhythms, your weekly, monthly, annual. I have found it tremendously beneficial that in my annual year, I have a group of brothers yeah. who are pastors. Uh, one is a former pastor, but now is a, a licensed counselor. And like that time with them and staying checked in with people who are outside of my context, mm-hmm. in addition to having y'all inside of this context, yeah. it's been a very powerful dynamism that has been affirming. Because half the battle when you're discouraged is if you're being unreasonable... To have people who love you enough and who have enough credibility with you to be able to tell you that. And at the same time, when you're not being unreasonable, when you are seeing a thing that is hard and discouraging and frustrating, for them to say, I see it too. That's right. That means a lot. Because it's like, okay. The empathy. Yes. Right. The connection. Because you feel torn. Like, am I I just tripping? Well, I think part of it is because discouragement isolates right and we yes. talked about that earlier it just makes you feel lonely yeah right yeah. you feel like you're the the only one mm-hmm. feeling that going through that and it might be specific to you and there might be context issues that are unique yes but to be surrounded by other people that can be like i get it right i see it right, right. you know i understand and i'm so sorry yes right that's yes. a gift it's huge yeah. it's huge it's huge so in terms of takeaways as we wrap this episode yeah like what are you guys taking away I, i'm i'm taking away a renewed commitment to look at the difficulties through that lens of sharing in Christ's sufferings and just like, this is just part of ministry. Uh, at some level, there is there is a basic minimum of suffering in ministry, and you don't know what that's going to look like in your context. But the expectation to making sure you have a life outside of ministry and leaning into that mm-hmm. and like valuing that not not and not feeling apologetic about it when people... Like I've had people who have been under my care in the past who have actually like tried to make me feel bad about having a life outside of ministry. Mm. And 
it's it's hard to fight that off, but like this this conversation is a reminder, like, no, because our people need to see us have a life outside of ministry and to not make it idols out of things because God is inviting us into a, a life of holistic flourishing, as you said, Glenn. So uh, I'm walking away with those things and, you know, encouragement to keep on embracing those mm-hmm. aspects of my life. Um, but what are y'all taking away? I was thinking, Duke, your comment about naming things specifically. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, one guy was talking to recently said, you know, I, one of the reasons I journal is I've, I've got to get things out of my head in somewhere else. Mm. And if I can do that, then they leave my head. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think I name things specifically mm. and well. And mm. so they just keep circulating. Mm. You know, they're they're just there. And I think if I could start going, Lord, this is how I feel. This mm. is what it's making. You know, more like the Psalms, mm. which were very specific. Mm. Good. Uh, so good. that that I think would be a benefit to me. Yeah, how about and you do? And I need to keep doing that too because you know there's like almost a a thing of shame Mm. around admitting you're discouraged Mm. i don't know right because it feels weak Mm. it's like i don't even know how how have you guys ever said that out loud to your congregation to people in right but outside of the clergy setting or elder setting or whatever right it's like no it's almost not allowed and so to at least to be able to say it out loud before the lord or before trusted friends yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. that word, I, or that phrase, that sentence, I am discouraged and maybe spilling some tears over that too, right? Mm-hmm. So just to be able to name that, I think that is key. I think for mm-hmm. me, I mean, my main takeaway is what I said before, uh, just trying to be more human. Get a life, dude. <laughs> get a life. <laughs> <laughs> help me get a life. Help um, but, I, but in a way where, you know, as we head into the fall and it is so, things are so busy already. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys. Yes. But, to prioritize that as something just as important mm. as preparing next week's sermon yeah. or as preparing, you know, the plans for XYZ event or whatever it might be to mm. say as a priority, I need a strategy. I need a plan. I need a, a, a thing, a, a series of commitments that I guard, mm. right, mm-hmm. uh, that will help me to flourish in these other parts of my being, my life and that sort of thing. That includes, you know, little things like coaching my son's soccer team again yes. this fall, right? So that's, <laughs> that's Wednesday awesome. nights and all that. I love it's like that. that's that's just as much for me as it is for him, right? Yeah. Um, and for the team, right? Um, and that's a lot of fun. But mm. even even physically, just to get out and exert myself in a different way, yes, and, yes, right? Um, yes. really, really, really good and 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 life giving to me. So stuff like that. Keep me accountable on it, though, I man. Think we I think found I your you life. What's that, Coach Quan? Coach Quan. I think. I yeah. man, seriously. Yeah. I think one of my dreams back in the day was to be a little league coach. Oh, totally. But we're in D.C. And so we did that little league thing one time. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be doing all that. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea of you coaching soccer. That sounds like yeah, a great Yeah, Coach way. Carter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. All well, right, I think man. that's be a wrap. That does it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening in on this conversation. We hope that you will join us for the next episode of Till We Feast. In the meantime, please subscribe, share this, tell your friends about it, write a review. Till next time, we'll see you. Peace.